Hello everyone, welcome back to the Tar Heel Prescription, a student-run podcast here at the UNC School of Medicine. My name is Peter. And my name is Anu. Today, we are thrilled to announce the launch of our new series, Walk in Their Heels. This series was inspired by Dr. Alice Chuang, who y'all should remember from the OBGYN specialty episode, and her colleagues who want to strengthen relationships between UNC medical students and faculty to help students see that their mentors have truly been where they are now and are more similar to them than they realize. To that end, this series aims to engage faculty from the UNC School of Medicine in conversation about their personal experiences with adversity throughout their journey into medicine. By being vulnerable and sharing their stories, these wonderful volunteers hope to build stronger rapport and relatability within the UNC community. And today, we are so grateful to be kicking off this series with Dr. Tiffany Long. Dr. Long, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to be here. If you would, please tell us a little more about who you are and what you do here at UNC. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. So um, yeah, I'm Dr. Long. I am a junior faculty member here at the UNC School of Medicine in um, the Internal Medicine Division and Geriatrics specifically. Um, I have recently started on faculty and I did my undergraduate training at Appalachian State University. I did my medical school training here at UNC. I did internal medicine residency here at UNC, fellowship here at UNC, and now I'm still here as faculty at UNC. So I love North Carolina and I love UNC. Fair to say you are a proud Tar Heel. So Yes. <laughs> yes so you are the perfect person to start us off with the series. Um, it is a pleasure to have you with us today and to hear about the incredible things you are doing. Um, Getting to where you are today has not been easy, and when we approached you for this new series, you mentioned that your journey has consisted of experiences as a first-generation college student, as well as experiences with limited resources, mentorship, and imposter syndrome. There's a lot to dive into there. So without further ado, we would like to turn the mic over to you to get started wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah, so I think I probably can just start from the beginning. My journey into medicine has been very non-traditional, and I know that Many students have a non-traditional journey now into medicine um, more commonly than I think used to be. I grew up in North Carolina. Um, I'm from Winston-Salem. I uh, went to public school there. I have um, a younger brother, and no one in my family um, went to college. So when I was growing up, I was always a little bit different than the rest of my family. Um, My family was very religious and kind of into, um, you know, having most of their social engagement in the community and church. And I was a part of church for a long time growing up. Um, But I was also very interested in learning and reading in particular. And so I spent a lot of my time reading and uh, doing pretty well in school without really having to try too much. And I think my parents didn't really know what to do about that other than say, oh, that's wonderful. Good. Tiffany makes good grades. Um, and then as I went on, I realized in high school that I wanted to go to college. And that journey in and of itself was very difficult because, one, I went to public school that didn't have a ton of resources. Um, and then, two, my parents didn't go to college. They didn't know how to advise me. And they really didn't know how we were going to afford it. So that kind of left me in a situation of figuring out kind of how to do all this pretty much on my own. Um, Luckily, I was very internally driven, but uh, getting into college was the first step, which I did. I chose to go to App because it was really the cheapest in-state tuition at that point. And um, 
I like I like the mountains. I grew up in the foothills, so I was like, okay, sure, I can do this. Um, and when I was at App, I uh, thought I wanted to be a psychology major, which I was a psychology major. I thought I was going to do um, clinical psychology, and so for a very long time, that was my path. Um, went through undergrad thinking I wanted to do a PhD in psychology. Got a job after undergrad in um, a pediatric division at Duke um, because I wanted to work with psychologists and figure out if that's what I wanted to do. So while I was at that job, I worked a lot with psychiatrists, pediatricians, um, and uh, yeah, a lot of different people that work mostly with peds. And I found in that job as the triage coordinator for the clinic, I gravitated towards the medicine and working with families. Um, and so I really started realizing that I really didn't love the psychology. I didn't love like writing the reports. I didn't really necessarily like the therapy aspect of it. And so I was happy I did the job. Um, but at that point, I was like, you know what? I kind of like the medicine. And in my mind, I was having this cognitive dissonance because I thought that I would never be able to do that. Uh, it was something that I felt like very strongly that I, I felt like I I wanted to do, but I thought in my mind, you know what, like no one in my family has ever even gone to college. How in the world would I do medicine? You know, it seems so distant to me. I knew no one who was a doctor other than the people that I worked with. And I kind of kept that to myself for a while. And my mentor there, who was my boss, he was a psychiatrist who had been in the field for decades, kind of took me under his wing and and sort of told me that he saw that he thought that I I was gravitating towards the medicine. I was learning it very quickly. I was understanding the meds and the um, how to triage and speak with the families. And he really encouraged me to to try to pursue medicine, um, which honestly was wonderful because I never would have pursued even thinking about applying to to medical school um, without him. And so I think it speaks to the importance of having a mentor, even if it isn't your parents, even if it isn't um, someone in your family or someone you even really know, kind of seeing something in you and fostering that. So that's what he did for me. And so I decided, you know what, I've never taken any science course other than biology. I'm going to have to do all my prerequisites. So let me stop, quit my job and go full time and do my prereqs at UNCG, which is what I did. And I did well in them, luckily. <laughs> uh, and I applied to medical school and I got in. I mean, seriously, that's incredible given, like you mentioned, I mean, just not having kind of had the resources really to 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 kind of know like, okay, like I, I notice these things about myself, but like where do I take it from here and, and where to go? So, I mean, that's incredibly admirable that, you know. You, you kind of followed your your gut as you went. And it's amazing, like you said, that you you did find a great mentor at Duke. That's incredible. Yeah, I think it speaks to um, being able to take risks. You know, I was really scared. I thought about it long and hard for a very long time before I did because, I mean, I quit my job. I completely reversed my um, decision to pursue a completely different field. Um but knowing that I had people around me who had done it before, other doctors, and knowing having them share their journeys with me was actually very empowering and made me understand 
that not everybody who goes into medicine has a perfect path to medicine. And I think before you've traveled it and you see physicians, you have this idea of what a physician is. Um, and I always thought it's someone who's always the smartest person in the room, who's super accomplished, has a lot of resources. Um, and knowing these people who were my coworkers and colleagues, so we were all kind of on an even playing field at work, realizing that they were normal people who had had their own challenges and they were able to share those with me, made me feel more comfortable diving in and helped me a little bit with thinking there's an absolutely no reason I should be doing this, which was kind of just always the thought in the back of my mind of how can little me from, you know, a family that had no means be a physician? Um, it just seemed like such a big leap. And in reality, hearing everybody else's stories, it made me feel closer and, and normalized it a little bit for me that, you know, we're all just people and coming from different backgrounds. And um, if you want to do it and you have the the time and, you know, the aptitude that you can. I had I had two questions for you just thinking about it. One, I mean, just now you were mentioning um, a little bit of those feelings of just, you know, wondering like, oh, like, you know, can I do this? I mean, is this an outlandish idea to, you know, to go after? Um, did, did you really kind of experience those feelings like when you first started this new job when you were at Duke or more like when you started med school or kind of both? Was it different? So I think I had those feelings when I decided I wanted to try to apply for medical school um, and then when I actually got into medical school, the feelings uh, were way worse, way stronger. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think starting medical school for me in particular was probably the most anxiety provoking time in my life because, again, there was still this imbalance of like, what am I doing here? Like, oh, my gosh, like, how did I get in? Very strong imposter syndrome. Um even though I had come to terms with, okay, I'd gotten in, I had support, it kind of like started all over again when I was with a group of people in medical school that I really, I think at first thought I was very different from, but then, you know, got to really know some of these people and with time realized that I wasn't actually that different from several of them. Um, and again, it was kind of, it was kind of getting away from that idea that I had of what physicians are or who physicians are and realizing that, you know, these people have also had very different journeys. They've had, you know, life full of adversity in different ways. Maybe it wasn't coming from a low-income family, but there are so many different stories that I found through so many of my co-medical students. And so, again, it just made me feel more a part of the group and made me feel more similar rather than more different. But the first semester of medical school was very hard for me because it took a long, it took about a semester for me to ease in enough to be able to, to speak with people and understand that. And so I felt a little ostracized and I felt, um, honestly, went through a bit of a period of depression um, and a lot of anxiety that I worked through with therapy um, and came out of and was fine afterwards. But that transition period was very difficult for me. That is incredibly tough. And I feel like there's so many more, like you said, that students that maybe feel the same way and they don't realize it because it takes time to sometimes take that risk, like you said, to just talk to each other and kind of just acknowledge how you're feeling and realize that, you know, you're not the only one. Um, but just bringing it back to your other, uh, to your story. Um, the second question I also had was, uh, kind of going back to you mentioning, um, 
your parents and, you know, their, their concerns a little bit about like, oh, like, you know, if you do want to go for medical school, you know, the expense and whatnot, um, as you were going through your journey, what was your, uh, once you did decide after Duke, you know, like, hey, I think I want to try going for medical school and such. How, how was their response? How did they feel as you were going, um, you know, afterwards? Yeah, I think um, my parents were kind of, even dating back to undergrad, they felt they were so overwhelmed with their own financial circumstances that they they were very overwhelmed with the idea of me going to any type of schooling because of money. So in undergrad, um, I worked full time while I was undergrad. I got scholarships, luckily, and then took out the rest in loans. And so I wasn't too in debt from undergrad for that reason. For medical school, um, they were just, I think, honestly shocked that I was getting in because I think similarly, they were like, how is our daughter going to medical school? Because no one in our family had ever done, you know, anything um, beyond high school. And I think they knew that I did well in school, but I think they were just as shocked. And so they were super happy and they're so proud of me now. I think that that they see it as, as uh, still just, in, I think, a little bit in shock, very, very proud and very, very happy. But they were like, oh, my goodness, are you serious? I think for the longest time, they may have thought I was making all this up. <laughs> you know, when I was like, well, I'm applying to medical school and I'm doing this. And they were like, yeah, OK, uh-huh. And then like I get in and they're like, oh, really? This is serious. You're actually in medical school, you know. Um, and so they're so, so proud of me. Um, but I think they still, I think, when people ask what their daughter does and they say a doctor, I think it feels very strange to them to say that. During the recent years, I think first-generation students are taking these risks and are going for not just college degree, but also medical school. And I think a good amount of our class identifies as first-generation students. I'm, I'm one of them. But I feel like, especially for the first year and a half or two years of medical school, that we can kind of fit in and get along okay because it's mainly just book studying. But I think the hardest part is when we start getting into the clinical world and not knowing how to navigate that or or the connections because other students who might have connections and they might understand the system a little bit better. What were your experiences in, in that part and what was the biggest challenge you saw as you went through your training and even during undergrad? So some of our undergrad listeners or pre-med listeners who might be wanting to go for medical school, like giving us a brief look at the challenges you saw before medical school as you were preparing for med school and what you saw during med school, especially during clinical training? Yeah, I think for me personally, the biggest challenge of medical school was um, studying for exams. I think it's because I had a lot of clinical experience before medicine. And so someone who may have gone straight through, I think everybody's going to have different challenges. For me personally, I um, had more of a challenge learning how to study for medical school in the first year and a half and mastering um, standardized test, um, which I luckily was able to do with time, but it took a lot of effort. Um, and then when I went to clinical rotations, I had worked in an interdisciplinary team for a while at Duke, and so I think that really helped me understand the system a little bit more. Um, but I do know that that transition is huge because, you know, going into application phase, you are navigating the team, you're navigating how you fit into the team, you're trying to make sure everyone likes you because that's how you're getting graded. Um, and then you're also studying for shelf exams. So it can be very overwhelming. And I think probably one of the most overwhelming parts of the four years of medical school. 
I think um, a resource that we didn't really have um, when I was a medical student in third year that we have now is the um, Office of Academic Excellence is really, it's a lot bigger, has a lot bigger presence now. And so we have um, clinical academic resource directors. I'm one of them, actually, that can help reach out to students having any trouble integrating into teams, any trouble with um, clinical rotations, clinical skills in the application phase, problem studying for shelves. And I think getting the word out that there is actually a team of people here that's dedicated to helping with that transition um, is really important because people are split up in that third year. You're not with, like you said, your you know class of however many 200 students. You're kind of by yourself on a rotation, maybe with one other student, and it can feel very lonely and ostracizing as you're trying to navigate all of those things together. Thinking about, um, you know, going back to your journey, I'm still stuck on uh, when you had said that, you know, you started off thinking about psychology and psychiatry. And then now, as you mentioned in the beginning, uh, you're in internal medicine. So, you know, kind of picking up where you mentioned after you kind of found your footing a little bit more after that first semester um, in the beginning of med school, how how did the rest play out? How did you how did you find yourself where you are now? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I think people ask me this a lot because coming into medical school, I thought, you know, psychiatry probably, and specifically I thought maybe pediatric psychiatry because that had been all my experience. And now I work with older adults. So people are like, how did you get there? Um, I think the part of pediatrics that I really liked is the work with families and the work with teams. And so I loved speaking with families. I loved navigating, like helping families with resources for their children and working with social workers and physical therapists. and when I started third year and went and worked on the geriatrics inpatient service, I realized that um, that is a lot of what you do in geriatrics. And I, um, over the years of medical school, I realized I liked internal medicine. I liked working with adults more than I liked working with children for various reasons. One being um, it was very difficult for me to see children in pain or suffering. Um, and I noticed that very quickly. And I realized that um, although I am a, a very empathetic person also with my geriatric patients and my families, it's easier for me cognitively to reconcile a patient who's dying at 89 than a patient who's dying at seven. Um, and so that helped me very quickly tease out I want to do adult medicine, but I still want to have a lot of teamwork and family work. And so geriatrics fit very well into that. And then we come to psychiatry versus internal medicine, which I came down to really the last month before applying for the match. I was going back and forth. Do I do medicine or do I do psychiatry? Do I do a dual program? And I was mostly internal medicine for, you know, I was like, 70% internal medicine, 30% psychiatry, and really thought about it and realized there's a lot of psychiatry and medicine um, and that we need people who are well-versed in psychiatry and medicine. And I knew at the end of the day, I'd really, really, really miss internal medicine training, like all the things that come along with that. And I wouldn't really be able to bring a lot of internal medicine to psych. So I decided, okay, I want to do internal medicine. And in geriatrics specifically, there is a lot of psychiatry. Often in my clinic, I feel like I actually am am in a psychiatry clinic because that is a lot of what I'm doing as a geriatrician. We treat a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety. Um, I have patients with kind of 
you know, type 2 bipolar disorder that I'm managing, a lot of um, psychosis with dementia. And so I get to do a lot of psychiatry as a geriatrician. Um, I also get to do a, a lot of neurology as a geriatrician. And so geriatrics is kind of a perfect triad of primary care, geriat geriatrics, neurology, and then psychiatry. Um, and so for me, it's been a perfect fit. And I'm just lucky that I figured that out early in medical school and was able to draw on um, a lot of experiences in geriatrics. That's really interesting. I didn't know, uh, just thinking about you, you kind of describing like geriatrics, you you see so much of neurology and psychiatry. And like you were saying, you can't really, it's hard to kind of bring like, say, the internal medicine to the psychiatry, but you kind of get to see at least the some of those other, you know, elements within internal medicine. Um, as someone who's interested in both psychiatry and neurology, I will keep geriatrics in mind. Um, but, you know, uh, Dr. Long, you've mentioned a number of valuable things uh, in sharing your story with us. And to wrap up, um, just looking back at your journey right now, um, what would you say are kind of like the few clinical pearls of life advice that you would give other individuals pursuing journeys into medicine based on what you've experienced and what you've seen and learned? Yeah, I think um, if you ever feel like you're the only person who feels like you shouldn't be doing, like if you feel like you should not be doing this, do not listen. Seek out other people to talk to. I think one of the best things that ha that about myself that I was able to to put forward and help in my situation was I'm very apt to be honest. And so um, for me, whenever I was feeling scared about something, uneasy about something, worried about a test, worried about a clinical rotation, worried about something in, in, in residency, I very quickly would tell my colleagues, you know what? This is really scary. Like, do you guys feel like this too? And everybody would always say, Yes, thank you so much for bringing it up. And we would talk about it. So don't be afraid to say how you're feeling because most likely 90% of the people around you are feeling the same way and it can really bring camaraderie and it can validate um, that other people are feeling feeling like this. I think the biggest pearl I have is, is that you're not as different as you think you are. And I think a lot of first-generation college students or people with imposter syndrome that's the crux of the feeling is that I'm the only one that feels this way. Um, and it just isn't true. So the more you seek out to, you know, other people, other activities, learn about each other, you start realizing we're all way more similar than we are different. And it can be very, very helpful on your journey. Um, I think the other thing is just seeking out mentorship and those relationships. Um, if you find someone, a faculty member, um, even someone who's senior to you in medical school, a resident who you jive with very well, use that that relationship and and stay in touch because people have, a, you know, even someone two years above you, they've experienced it. They have resources that they can connect you to. They have um, experiences that they can help you get involved in. And having that longitudinal mentorship can be really helpful. It was always nice for me to know when I was feeling kind of like unsure about things, just running things by someone who is a little more senior to me. It always just made me feel a little bit better. Um, and so seeking those people out and, and keeping in touch with those people, I think, is really helpful um, in navigating the journey. Well, I think that is a great note to end on. Dr. Long, thank you so much for sharing some of your time and wisdom with us today. It has been a privilege to hear your story, and we are so humbled to have learned from your experiences. To our listeners, that was Dr. Tiffany Long and a little window into her story. My name is Peter. 
My name is Anu. If you think someone else would benefit from listening to this episode, please share it with them. And remember to follow the Tar Heel Prescription on Instagram to keep up with our speaker highlights and upcoming episodes. Thank you for tuning in today, and we will see you next time on the Tar Heel Prescription. Thank you.